What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is also the latest installment in our NBA Draft Player Profiles. This is the second one we've done, so check your feeds. If you missed the deep dive on Villanova's Sadiq Bey that came out earlier this week, it's still there waiting for you. The Blazers have the 16th and 46th picks in the upcoming draft. November 18th, 2020 is when that's going to go down. For now, we're just going to focus on first-round picks. We'll do this in our typical manner with three organized segments. promise you we'll get to second-round picks in the future, but for now, let's worry about 16. Those three segments I mentioned, here's how they're going to work. We'll get the basic profile in the first segment, answering the question, who is this guy? Then in the second segment, we'll review strengths and weaknesses as defined by the Internet's foremost draft experts. And finally, we'll talk about fit and where guys land in recent mock drafts. Essentially answering the questions, is it realistic that the Blazers can get him at 16? And how will he fit on the roster? So today's pick is in. Let's go to Adam Silver. With the 16th pick in the NBA draft, the Portland Trail Blazers select Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. Neesmith is a six foot six, 20 year old wing in at 213 pounds who sports a 6'10 wingspan. He spent two years at Vanderbilt. As a freshman, he averaged 11 points, five and a half rebounds, and 1.4 assists while shooting 39.2% from the floor and 33.7% from the three point line. He started 19 of 32 games as a freshman, but he was a big minute contributor. 29 minutes a game, and once Vanderbilt got into the SEC play, he was their leading scorer. He basically, in a way that a lot of college freshmen are, had to earn his role, and then by the end of the year when the games were important, he was their go-to guy. But it was his sophomore year that Neesmith really broke out. Returning for year two, Neesmith put up averages of 23 points, 4.9 boards, just shy of one assist a game. He shot 51.2% from the floor, And here's the big one, 52.2% from three. And that's on 8.2 attempts per game from deep. He got him up and he made more than half of them. He started all 14 games playing 35.7 minutes per game before his season ended early in mid-January when he sustained a stress fracture in his right foot. At the time of his injury, he was leading the SEC in scoring. And he had hit four three-pointers in nine of his 14 games, including eight at SMU, Seven at Richmond, seven against UNC Wilmington. He made multiple threes in all but two games. Neesmith is a shooter, capital S and a whole lot of O's. 60% of his field goal attempts as a freshman were three-pointers. And 56% of his attempts, all of his field goal attempts, as a sophomore came from behind the line. It's what he does. He gets them up. Importantly, Vanderbilt treated him like a shooter. And this statement needs to come with a caveat. I don't watch a lot of college basketball games, but what I am is a good researcher. I think NBA draft season is the time of the great stolen valor on the internet. There are people who spend tons of time and energy watching college basketball, scouting NBA prospects, and projecting where they'll go at the next level. And then a bunch of dudes who watch the NBA all season long pretend like they did the same thing. I'm not doing that. I didn't do that. I'm not an NBA draft expert, but I am a darn good researcher. So when I talk about here's how Vanderbilt used Aaron Neesmith or any of these prospects moving forward, I'm talking about reading a whole bunch about them from people who know more than I do. Watching YouTube clips where dudes don't miss shots. I'm watching highlights 
or watching clipped up profiles where if they do miss, it's intentional to show, hey, here's their funky mechanics or whatever. I didn't watch a single minute of Aaron Neesmith play college basketball. I don't want to pretend like I did, but I have developed an opinion through hours of research about the NBA draft. So that's what I'm giving you here. That's my caveat. Thanks for letting me get on my soapbox. Let me get off for a second. Vanderbilt treated him like a shooter. And by that, I mean that if you watch his tape, if you watch his highlights, he's running all kinds of funky screens. They run this over and over, this kind of flex cut set where he can read to the corner and either go deep into the corner or a little bit above the break for a three. And he's really good at reading that screen, getting his feet set and shooting. Dude's got a really nice looking stroke. Again, I'm watching highlights. All the shots went in, but just he he's a natural shooter. He looks like it. You can watch him get the shots up and say, oh yeah, that dude's a shooter. Also, he made 52% of his threes in college on eight attempts a game. He's making basically four a night. He's a shooter. Indeed, many scouting reports I've read think that Neesmith is the best shooter in the draft. At the time of his injury, he was second in the nation at made threes per game and was leading the SEC in threes per game and three-point percentage. Also, as long as we're just running down his resume, he was fifth in the nation scoring. His 23 a game was going to be right up there among the best scorers in college basketball. He was one of the best free throw shooters in the SEC, shooting 83% from the free throw line. It's another thing I've learned from reading Kevin Pelton over the years. is a great way to predict if a guy can shoot. Does he make free throws? It's a relatively good check on this really good shooter. Is he really good when he just form shoots from the free throw line? Neesmith checks that box. And he was shooting 51% from the floor. Obviously, he's shooting better from three than from two, but a guy who makes more than half his shots at his size, that's uh, it's a guy who can get buckets. And I think Neesmith is probably, from what I've read, more of just a pure shooter than a pure scorer, but shooting is a valuable asset. Virtually every team in the league is looking for more shooting at all times. We'll talk about that more later in the episode, but that's the rundown on Neesmith. A 6'6 wing who... Got hurt his sophomore year, but prior to getting hurt, was one of the best shooters in the nation. He's got a long wingspan and projects as a guy who can really shoot at the next level. But what else can he do? That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. His strengths and weaknesses called from scouting reports of the best NBA draft evaluators in the land. I've done the work so you don't have to. I'll aggregate it all for you in the next segment. What else is Neesmith good at? You can know he can shoot. What are his other skills you can bank on? But before we get there, I want to tell y'all all about Built Bar. You know Built Bar? It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, there are delicious protein bars. They taste great. That's the trick. They made a delicious protein bar, and now you can buy them. They come in 18 amazing flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. If you have dabbled in the protein bar world in the past, you know some of them can be dry and chalky. That's not what Built Bar is. Built Bar's got a great texture, like I said, candy bar-like, and they just taste great. But if that isn't enough to sell you, what if I told you they were good for you too? They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They're a wonderful option for the health-conscious among us. If you are like me, you are at home a lot. When you are at home a lot, you have a lot of options to snack, a lot of options to reach into the pantry, reach into the cupboard, see what you got there. I'm telling you right now, Built Bar tastes better and is better for you than a lot of other things you're reaching for in that pantry. So go get yourself some of these delicious bars. You can do that by going to BuiltBar.com, using the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. 
That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. So we talked Aaron Neesmith. Two seasons at Vanderbilt established himself as one of the best shooters in college basketball. But he's going to make the next step now entering into the NBA draft. So it's time to figure out what else he brings to the table. What we're going to do in this segment is talk strengths and weaknesses. I have read scouting reports from the best NBA draft guides I can find on the internet. I've been doing this a long time. I know who to trust. I know who mails it in. I know I can, can find a copy and paste scouting report pretty well. So I've gone to the experts, I've read all the scouting reports, and I'm going to bring you what you need to know on Neesmith. Like I said, he's a shooter, and everyone agrees that he can hit jumpers in every way you slice it. Off movement, like I said, they used him in a lot of screening sets where he's allowed to read the screen and kind of get his get his feet set, get his, set up his defender and get loose. He can hit some pull-ups, he's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. He's big enough at 6'6 with a with a long wingspan to get shots up as players close out. Maybe see if he can do that at the NBA level, but certainly in college he was able to do that. He's the best pure shooter in the draft by most accounts. People that know think this is the best shooter that'll be in the 2020 draft class. Per San Vicini of The Athletic, Jerry Stackhouse devised a ton of creative flare screen sets specifically for Neesmith. Flare screens and pin downs. So he could get open on the backside of actions. Does getting a shooter open off of flare screens and pin downs sound familiar to you? Well, if you've watched the Portland Trailblazers, that's a lot of how Terry Stoss designed sets. The Blazers set a ton of flare screens, which are those screens when you move sort of sideways, east-west across the action as opposed to north-south. Pin downs would be the opposite when you're moving north-south, specifically moving screens back to the ball and you come up towards it. Pin down. It's a little X's and O's for you. But Neesmith excelling off of actions that the Blazers already run? Sounds like a good deal to me. Sign me up. There seems to be some disagreement over Neesmith's level of defensive ability. I like when the scouting reports differ. I think it's interesting to read a d- different takes and that multiple intelligent people can watch the same dude play basketball and come away with you know, slightly different um, opinions on stuff. That's a natural thing that happens when I watch basketball with my buddies or, or fellow members of the NBA media, that we have different takes. It makes sense that it would happen in scouting reports. I trust the scouting reports more when they differ. So some of them, particularly the ringers, uh, Kevin O'Connor, says that Neesmith is a competent or competitive intelligent defender. But Sam Vecini of The Athletic maybe argues that he is just an okay defender who, quote, won't kill you. I think won't kill you kind of suggests like, maybe this dude isn't a particularly good defensive player, but he is not sashimi out there. Importantly, he's got the physical profile to play multiple spots. At 6'6", he could probably play two and three with a wingspan if he filled out a little bit. Conceivably, he could even play a little bit of small ball four. Now, I don't think he's going to play all three spots with the Blazers next year, but but we're talking about projection at the next level regardless. He's... As I wrote down here, he's got potential for positional versatility. And oh boy, does a modern NBA love that positional versatility. So those are his strengths. I don't know where defense falls. I kind of put it in both categories. But he's a really good shooter who gets it done in a lot of ways. And he's got NBA size. The weaknesses, as called from the internet's best draft experts, suggest that Aaron Neesmith isn't a great finisher at the rim. 
He's a shooter more than a scorer, like I said in the first segment. He's not a guy who is this explosive athlete who's finishing at the rim. He's getting buckets from beyond the arc. The other weakness is that he might not have great uh, wiggle, I'll call it. His shot creation ability is what I have written down here, but just a guy who doesn't uh, break down a defender one-on-one or explode past people and use explosiveness to get into the paint or use really like, you know, bursts of athleticism to get into the paint. From what I watched, I watched a bunch of his. I watched a bunch of his uh, videos on YouTube. He's a really good shooter, and he can occasionally leverage the fear of him being a really good shooter to get himself loose for other shots. But he's not getting loose, sizing a guy up and getting past him. We'll talk about defense here for a second. I mentioned it in strengths, like c- competitive, interested defender. But I think at this point, based on the five different scouting reports I read, is that he's probably more of a theoretical defender than an actually productive one at this point. So the jury's still out. Some evaluators think he's a good defensive player. Others think he's just kind of a meh at that position. We'll have to wait and see. The other thing that has to be mentioned in the weaknesses is is the foot injury, right? He only played 14 games with after that stress fracture in his foot. And prior to that, Vanderbilt hadn't exactly played a bunch of monsters. So while he was really good early on in his sophomore season and put up numbers that... Uh, really jump off the page. 52% from three on eight attempts a game is a whole, 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 whole bunch, right? But he had 25 at Southeast Missouri State and 26 against Tulsa. Those are awesome games. I'm not taking away from those games. I just don't think that that is against really high-level competition. It stands to reason that his shooting percentages would have gone down just because it seems unlikely that you could sustain 50% three-point shooting on eight attempts per game. But even if he went down to say like, you know, in the middle 40s against SEC competition, that still profiles as a really, really good shooter. Uh, I don't think he's going to make more than half of his threes in the NBA, but he has, like I said, he has the profile to be a really good shooter and the people that know think he's the best shooter in this draft. So where does the best shooter in this draft land? That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. What is Neesmith's range, and how would he fit theoretically on the Blazers if they were to draft him at number 16 overall? That's what we'll talk about in the third segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Roman. It could be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off, blame ourselves. But Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple, too. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to LockedOn Blazers. We're still talking about Aaron Neesmith. The shooter from Vanderbilt who projects as a shooting wing, 3 and D still to be decided. Will he get the 3 and D tag or will he just be a shooter? Regardless of which amorphous label he is given by media types such as myself, 
The question is, is it reasonable for Aaron Neesmith to end up on the Blazers? We can and will talk about his fit, his theoretical fit on the roster, but it's worth considering, do draft experts think that this dude is going to be available when the Blazers pick? Like I said, the Blazers have the number 16 pick in the NBA draft. They don't have a lot of assets to move up. Seems relatively likely they'll be staying put, picking where they are. So when they're on the board at 16, assuming they're on the board at 16, will Neesmith be available? Well, the ringer has him going 17th. ESPN has him going 10th. The Athletic 13th. NBA DraftNet 13th. CBS Sports 10th. And SA.com 13th. The best shooter in the draft profiles as a lottery pick for the most part. A top 10 pick or the very end of the lottery, that's... That's placing a value on shooting like the league certainly, certainly does. So let me make my case for why the Blazers should draft Aaron Neesmith. It's the same deal as I said for Sadiq Bey in our first of these draft profiles. The Blazers' wing core is 35-year-old Trevor Reza and Rodney Hood coming off an Achilles injury. If you get the absolute best out of both of those dudes, you've got a really competent wing core. But shy of that, you need some depth, and currently you don't really have that. Gary Trent Jr., Sure, I think he's going to play a lot of small forward this year, and I think he's he's good. Like, I think he's probably, he might even be better than Trevor Ariza right now. But he's 6'5". I think he's better guarding Steph Curry than he is guarding Kawhi Leonard. Like, I, I send him out to go get John Morant and De'Aaron Fox before you send him out to guard Brandon Ingram and TJ Warren. That's just my opinion. He's better at hounding PGs than going after rangy small forwards. Mario Hozonia isn't a good solution. None of the questions we just asked, who guards these people? Is Mario Hozonia a reasonable answer? Nazir Little might not be ready just yet. Not that a rookie like Aaron Neesmith is going to leapfrog Nas in playing time, but Little wasn't good enough in year one to say, this team doesn't need wing depth. I don't look at this, I don't look at this roster, I don't look at Nas and say, no, let's, you know, they, they, he, they've got their solution for, you know, break the glass small forward. Or if, you know, someone turns an ankle, eight games of Nas starting at small forward is fine. I don't see that. I just don't. I view wing depth as a top priority for the Blazers. I know that other People and other bigger voices have said that backup point guard and backup big man are more important. And certainly you could make a case that this team doesn't have any power forwards on the roster right now and they desperately need one. And I would agree with you. I also think they need another center on the roster. But I think those are easier things you can address in free agency. It's easier to get veteran bigs on the cheap, particularly centers. I don't know about power forwards, but particularly centers. So if you're going to get sort of your project, your guy who projects as maybe helpful in year two and year three, I think addressing wing depth is going to be important. It's going to be important this season. It's going to be important in the seasons to come. When I'm looking at draft prospects, at least so far, I've been looking at wings because to me, that should be the priority for this team. Also, just in the Blazers draft range, there's better wing options than others. I wouldn't draft a point guard. At least, I wouldn't recommend they draft one in the first round. But if there's a question about what else does Neesmith do? You say, oh, he's this great shooter, but he doesn't bring a lot else to the table. I would challenge you with this. Shooting is the number one priority, the number one offensive priority for every team in the league, and particularly for a team like the Blazers, the ball is going to be in Damian Lillard's hand. Sure, they could use another guy who could get the ball out of his hands a little bit, but Dame doesn't seem super ready and willing to do that. So what they need is guys who can help him in complementary roles. It's why Gary Trent Jr. was so good, and why not find a player who's in a relatively similar mold to Gary Trent Jr.? I don't think Neesmith projects as a defender that Gary Trent Jr. is, certainly not in his rookie season, day one, year one, anything like that. But you figure out defense later, 
All prospects are imperfect, and shooting is just such a priority in the NBA. It's why a guy like UNC's Cameron Johnson went 11th last year. He went what? 11th. Cam and Johnson 11th. Yep. It's right on the screen right there. Wow. Wow. Wow, bro. Wow, bro, indeed. Shooting is incredibly important. If you have a chance to land the best shooter in the draft at 16, you don't have to move anywhere, give up anything, and you get a 6'6 shooter, you do it. The Blazers need complementary parts around Dame, and for me, Aaron Neesmith seems to check the boxes of someone who could be a really useful complementary part. He's not my number one pick for the Blazers, but he's certainly near the top. If I'm making a wish list, Aaron Neesmith's name's going to be on it. That's going to do it for today's episode. Coming later this week, the top big man option on my Blazers draft wish list. A first draft profile of a true big. We've looked at two wings. It's time to size up a little bit. Are there any tall teens that could help this roster? Check your feed later this week. We'll answer that exact question. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.